keynote speaker. I had the privilege of hearing her last year. I went to a luncheon, a pro-life luncheon in Lake Charles, and um, I got to hear Krista speak. And I was just overwhelmed by her story, and um, I was overwhelmed by just her passion for life. Um, she's heavily involved in working with teenagers in high schools and promoting life. And she just has a wonderful story, has a wonderful presentation. And um, I just ask that you open your hearts to be receptive to what she has to say tonight. Krista is from the Acadiana, she's the Acadia and Southwest Louisiana Director for Louisiana Right to Love. Hey y'all, how are you doing today? Awesome, it's good to see you guys. Um, like she said, I work for Louisiana Right to Life and I specifically work in youth programs. And I give a lot of presentations all over the state. Um, specifically in the Acadiana area, I'm from Lafayette, but I also do Lake Charles and the Alexandria area, which is all, all around here. Um, so it's good to be here with you today. Thanks um, for having me. So when I think about this event, which um, on the invitation it says, For the Love of Life, I thought that was really cool because that's actually um, my signature line on my email. I put, For Love of Life, Krista. You know, it's February. It's my birthday month, actually. I love February. It's my favorite month of the year. It's the month of love. It's, it's a short and sweet month. It's my favorite month, like I said. So I think about February, think about where we are, Valentine's Day, and I think about how love and life go together. So when I think of love, the first thing I think of is compassion. I also think love is not blind, and love does. So the first thing I'm gonna talk about is compassion. So compassion, a lot of people don't know the etymology of the word compassion. It doesn't mean fuzzy, hot, pink love, but compassion actually means to suffer with. Suffer with. When we think of passion, like Jesus' passion, we think of how he suffered for us. And compacti in Latin means with. So compassion means to suffer with. And I always say, I always say that first because um, I think a lot of people don't realize how many people suffer from the issue of abortion. So I want to tell you about a story of compassion. It's about a woman who came into this country to get a better life for herself and for her family. She got a job here. Um, she had her life set out before her, and she got a boyfriend, she fell in love, and they got pregnant. They were not married. So what do you think the boyfriend wanted her to do? Yeah, maybe we can try again without the baby. That's kind of the mentality a lot of people have. And they had one conversation about it, one fight about it, and um, he ended up leaving. He ended up leaving the picture. And this woman, she reached out to her family back home with letters, because it was before the internet, and uh, she sent pictures of herself pregnant, and they mailed them back with X's on her stomach. Oh. Or they would rip them up because they also wanted her to have an abortion. Because she was not in this country to have fun or to get pregnant. She was here, really, because it was kind of like a case of poverty. She was supposed to be sending money back home. And so I think of when people say that they're pro-choice, this woman had no choice. Get an abortion or we're not gonna work out. Get an abortion or we'll disown you. And that's again the, the case where a woman has no choice. Is that really a choice at all? Is that really a choice at all? And now I'm pro-life and I'm so involved in the pro-life movement because that woman was my mom and that baby was me. So I think about compassion in my mom's life and how she really lacked it. She didn't have a lot of compassion. The people who say they're gonna love you no matter what, they turn their back on her. They turn their back on her. Instead of offering compassion and love and support, they offered her ultimatums. 
When I think about compassion, I always think about mercy and forgiveness. So my biological father who walked out on me and my mom when she got pregnant, I think about my biological father who I didn't know for most of my life. Um, I was 22 years old when he came back into my life. And if you can imagine going through 22 years of your life not knowing this person, a shadow of a person really, and thinking, how, how can you forgive someone like that? Someone who never sent a birthday card or a Christmas card. I only knew his name. And for six months before he came into my life, I actually was praying for, to, to forgive him. I was praying to heal this father wound in my heart. But what I didn't realize is that he had a story of his own. As I got to know him a little bit more, it took me a couple of years to really open up to, to him and have conversation with him. But a couple years after I met him, I had the, I guess, the nerve to ask him one day at IHOP, uh, if you can imagine over pancakes, me asking this question, are you glad that my mom didn't abort me? And he started to cry. He started to cry and cry and cry. And he said, of course, I'm glad that your mom didn't abort you, but I did abort a child. So what happened was my, my dad, my biological father, left my mom, got a new girlfriend. They got in the same situation again, but that woman succumbed to the pressure to abort. And my father held this in for 20-something years until he told me, just because I asked him. So I think about how he deserves forgiveness, right? Not just for leaving me, for, for me being a fatherless child, but to forgive him for having an abortion. And what I did was, when I found out about the abortion, I gave him every resource I could think of off the top of my head because I work for Louisiana Right to Life. I work in the pro-life movement. Read this book, go to this retreat, visit this website, and you'll find healing. That was in... Uh, in Las Vegas, my mom lived in Las Vegas for a time. I was born in California, so he drove in from California to come visit with me. He took me to the airport after, after that trip to IHOP. And if you can imagine, I was on the airplane in the middle seat, on the runway, while we were taking off, and I started to weep, like ugly cry. Like, it's not, like it was not pretty. And I was super glad nobody turned to me and said, have you never flown before? Right, but I really, for the first time, after like, first time being alone in that moment, after finding out the news about my aborted half-sibling, I realized that I now had a sibling who died by the violent act of abortion. Now I do educational presentations, I know the medical procedures, and I describe them in detail to students. I show pictures of the tools that are used. I know fetal development. I know the numbers. 1.2 million average per year in America alone. 10,000 in the state of Louisiana a year. Just in Louisiana, 10,000 a year. And I know that one-third of my generation is missing from abortion. And now that included a sibling of mine. And on that one path, I was thinking, wow, I have a sibling that died from abortion. And on this other path, because it was like a, a, a waterfall of emotions. The other path was saying, that could have been you. Because I was in the same situation, I was born into the same situation that that child would have been born into. And, and I realized that I had grief 
because I had an aborted sibling. Now this is from a man that I hardly knew and, and years ago, and I had nothing to do with this decision of abortion and yet it still brought me this kind of grief. Now I was in a, a abortion-related depression for the better part of a year and I, I really had to seek healing for myself. Right? When I think of compassion, I think of my mom, I think of my biological father, and I think of myself. Right? I had to suffer with myself. You know, I had to allow myself to grieve and to be sad and to be angry. And I really had to be gentle with myself. I had to say that some days I was sad about it. Some days I didn't care. Some days I was angry. And I had to let myself feel all those things. I had to allow myself to suffer. And that was the only way I think that I was able to find healing. You can only find healing if you know that you're hurt. So that's the first point. The point of compassion. Love is, is compassion. Love is not blind. Okay, I don't think love is blind at all. The relationship between love and truth. Now, love without truth is hypocrisy. <coughs> love without truth is hypocrisy. That means when we think of the pro-choice movement, that's when they tell women, you can't be successful and a mom. That's what a lot of people say. Right? But I think of people like Carrie Walsh Jennings. Does anyone know who that is? She's a, a volleyball player, beach volleyball, and she's an Olympian. And in the 2012 Olympics, she was actually pregnant for her, her next baby. She was still wanting to train for the 2016 Olympics in, in Rio, by the way. And uh, she went on TV, she had some interviews, and she said something along the lines of, uh, I think I was made to play volleyball and have babies. And people gave her a lot of grief for that. People gave her a lot of grief for that. But she was not apologetic about that. She was not, and I love that about her. And I, I really think that people can be a mom and successful. I mean, this woman is an Olympian, okay? And she had three kids, and she still has abs, <laughs> right? Like, this woman is a rock star, an Olympian with three kids, that's amazing. Love without truth is hypocrisy. And that's what I see a lot in the pro-choice movement. Now, the flip end of that, truth without love is brutality. Truth without love is brutality. That's whenever we tell women who find themselves in crisis pregnancies, well, you should have known better, which is kind of what my grandparents told my mother. You should have known better. We're not gonna help you, we're gonna disown you. Truth without love is brutality. It's not about being right. It's not about a debate. Abortion, talking about abortion and being love in the pro-life movement is about supporting people in need. So love is not blind. Love knows the truth. Knows, love knows the abortion statistics. I, I calculated this as the Alexandria area. In the greater Alexandria area, which includes uh, Leesville, there were 413 women who had abortions. That's in the, in the year of 2017. Now, in Louisiana, in the year of 2017, there were 8,706 abortions reported. Let that number sink in. 8,706 abortions in the year of 2017. 791 of those were on women 15 to 19 years old. 
2,592 of those were on women 20 to 24 years old. And 2,532 were on women ages 25 to 29. I think we need to know what we're up against. We need to know the statistics. We need to know what abortion does and what it is. Nothing's gonna change if we don't know. We must be educated on this. Love is compassion, love is not blind, it's educated. And number three, I would say love does. Love does. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. Now our activism, our pro-life activism has got to be something beyond a march, a banquet, or the voting polls. That's, that's gotta be the bare minimum of our pro-life activism. When people hear about what I do, which when you look at the numbers, it is pretty impressive, okay? I've given over 200 presentations to over 15,000 people, and that's statewide and nationally. Most recently, probably the most cool thing I've done in my work so far is I got to go to the Bronx and speak to 608th grade kids in the Bronx about adoption. That was cool, right? And I love the kind of outreach that I get to do at Louisiana Rights of Life. I think it's really fun. I, I, I love speaking, actually. But you know what else I know? That 74% of people in this room fear public speaking more than death. Yeah, people usually laugh right there. <laughs> that means 74% of people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy at a funeral, right? So I know my way of giving in the pro-life movement because I know what I like to do and what lights me on fire, what makes me excited. So in DC, um, a couple of weeks ago, we were there for the National March for Life, but we also gathered about 1,300 Louisiana students for an event that we have every year called Go Forth. And to me, the more people that are there, the more excited I get. Now, if you might think, you know, speaking in front of 1,300 people, you're crazy, right? But that's what I love to do. And like I said, my outreach is good, but it's not enough. 15,000 people, that's nothing compared to the population of this state. That's nothing. So I invite you to get more involved. Again, this should be the bare minimum of our pro-life activism. I have to give a little plug about our youth programs called Pulse. Now there's some, there's some little hexagon flyers. You'll see they're colorful. This past November, we had one in Dry Creek, which is not too, too far from here. Dry Creek Baptist Camp, they had a camp. We had about 60 kids there. And then they learn about the pro-life issue and how to talk about it. They, they do pro-life persuasion training to talk about this issue and not from a religious standpoint either. We are a secular organization. Kids are able to talk about it through biology and fetal development and philosophy and understanding the intrinsic value of human beings. And kids, I mean really, even our high school students, are, they're, they're amazing what they do on their high school, on their high school campuses. And when they're in college, they come help staff the, the camps. Are we close to Louisiana College here? Yep. So, uh, like, I think eight Louisiana College students came with us to the March for Life in D.C. this year. It's really great to see the students 
get involved in it's really because they've been exposed to the education that Louisiana Rights Life has. All of you in here have kids and grandkids that you can volunteer to come to Pulse. <laughs> right? So we have one this coming November in, uh, at Dry Creek again. So keep that on your calendar. Another way that you can help in the pro-life movement is to, again, help women in need. Help the pregnancy centers, the local pregnancy centers. So a lot of people don't know that we have about 30 pregnancy centers in Louisiana. And that's in comparison to the three abortion clinics we have. There are far more resources available to women than access to abortion. And that says something about our state. That shows how pro-life we really are. Another way that I invite you to be a part of the pro-life movement is maybe we know someone who's had an abortion. Maybe we drove our friend to an abortion clinic when we were in college. Or maybe we, we just didn't know how to talk about it, so we didn't talk about it. If you have a friend or a family member in your life that's post-abortive, I invite you to reach out to them because they need you. They need you. They need your love. And if you've had an abortion yourself, or again, if you felt like you were a part of the process, I invite you to seek healing for yourself. I know that in my life, even though I wasn't even a part of the abortion decision, I had to seek healing and it took me a long time and it still takes me a long time. I still suffer with the fact that I have an aborted sibling who died by the violent act of abortion. And I still have to think about my own near-death experience that could have been, again, through the violent act of abortion. There are people hurting in this country, in this state, in this room, from abortion, whether or not we know it, right? And a lot of times, violence, you know, is acknowledged by the world. When people die in war, when people die in gun violence, people acknowledge it. When people get in wrecks or were held at gunpoint, people acknowledge that violence. But abortion, we, we, we just simply won't touch it sometimes. So again, I invite you to seek healing. I also invite you to just give of yourself. Give of yourself, right? There's so many ways that you can give. I know for me, it's speaking. It's through education and young people. And I want to give both my time and my gifts, right? Every, not everyone is going to be a speaker. Not everyone is going to run a pregnancy center. At the last banquet that I spoke at, which was last Saturday, someone donated the mashed potatoes for the banquet. I think potato mashers are very important to the pro-life movement. I, I feel very strongly, I'm, a, I'm an activist, okay? I feel very strongly about things, including mashed potatoes, right? I think we're all called to give the way that we can give, right? We have very supportive restaurant owners. We have very supportive pastors and mayors and priests, in any way that you can give of yourself, I encourage you to do it, it's needed. Because again, it's not enough to just reach 15,000 students. It's not enough, we have to reach the people in our communities, in our homes, in our families, in our friend groups. Some of us can give financially, of course, and it's very necessary to help the pregnancy center run. Right? You've got to give and support in order to reach the women in our communities. And they're obviously doing great work. So please support the pregnancy centers. And finally, I'd say, 
Please pray. Please, this is my final point, please pray. As I reflect on my own life and my mom's life, which it actually took me about the last three years to discover my entire story of origin, because I did not know until I was in the pro-life movement full-time. I think about how nobody had my mom's back, but she still chose life. So somebody did have her back. And to me, I would say that it was the pro-life movement. The pro-life movement was praying for my mom. The pro-life movement prays for women in crisis pregnancies. The pro-life movement prays for babies born out of wedlock, conceived in rape. All those, all those little situations that people justify abortions for, those little babies are valuable. Right? And if we believe in the intrinsic value of the human person, that means that all that matters is that they're human. They have value because they're human. That doesn't say anything about the situation they were born into, whether it was an act of violence like rape, right? Or if they were born of an immigrant woman like me, or born in a situation of poverty, they are still valuable. They are still valuable. And so when I think about prayer, and I think about you, all of you in this room who pray for women in pregnancies, in crisis pregnancies, and pray for the unborn. Now, I believe prayer is outside of time, right? Because God lives outside of time, right? God doesn't live in my watch, right? He lives outside of time. So when we talk to him, when we pray, our prayer then is outside of time. So I firmly believe that whenever I get to speak here in front of people like you, that I, and when you pray for babies who are born in situations like mine, that you literally saved my life. I think that I was spared for a reason. So again, please, I believe in the power of prayer. Please pray for the pro-life movement and do everything for the love of life. Thank you.